You're listening to Semper Reform on the Radio, where the Bible alone and the Bible in its entirety is applied to all of life. There are many people who do not want to hear the truth because it will shake up the false hope they have that they're going into heaven when indeed they are not. Christ is our King. Scripture is our law. Scripture and the laws of our country now collide head on. Now, just to make it clear, we don't bow down to Caesar. So what does Paul do when he gets his big shot at the Areopagus? Watch him. Now, not only has Paul not compromised in order to get here, but once he's here, he says, your worldview is wrong, your philosophy is wrong, it's not just wrong, it's an affront to God, you ought to know better, you're in sin. But the good news is, God has extended to you an opportunity to repent. All right. Thank you for joining us. My name is Tim, and this is Semper Reformanda Radio. In case you didn't catch that in the little intro music thing that we do. But uh, anyways, I just want to remind everybody that we are part of the Bible Thumping Wingnet Network, and they haven't kicked us out yet, (laughs) so we're still here. But uh, I want to remind everybody to go to the Bible Thumping Wingnet web page and when you get there to create a profile and once you do that you can friend request uh, the the podcasters you can friend request other people it's uh it's pretty interactive and it's really cool because once you create a profile go to Semper Reformanda Radio and join our group and when you join our group you can get updates email updates to basically anything that's going on and I'm saying that because we are also putting out blog articles and we have uh, we have some outstanding articles written by Tim Kaufman who uh, I want to pull this up real fast Tim Kaufman just wrote two articles that I want to recommend to everybody it deals with eschatology and uh, Tim Kaufman is is really one of my favorite authors I, I love the way that he writes it's it's very clear but the, the article is titled The Double Crown, and there's part one and part two. And you, if, if you want to check this out, check out all the blog articles. You can just click on uh, the blog icon, or you can go to Semper Reformanda Radio and see the blogs that we write. Um, Colleen, uh, Colleen Sharp just wrote an article discussing our differences. I think that's really helpful for uh, for me, <laughs> uh, for for anybody who's who's looking to discuss differences, uh, theological differences. But there's there's a bunch of articles on there. So here's another article that that we wrote. Uh, Carlos put this together. It's Semper Reformanda Radio New Covenant Theology Playlist and Resources. So if you want to know where we stand with regards to New Covenant theology, check that out. There's some some really good references there. And then I actually wrote an article titled The Scripturalist Ad Hominem Reply. And The Scripturalist is the presuppositional title given to Clarkianism. 
uh, and it, it falls in beautifully with the, the principle of sola scriptura because uh, we are presuppositionalists, but what are we presupposing? We're presupposing the truth of the Bible. So we are scripturalists. And I love that title. I'm promoting that title. Uh, let me see. What, what's his name? Uh, Dr. Gary Crampton wrote a book titled The Scripturalism of Gordon Clark. Uh, so if you want to find out more on what scripturalism is, he also has an article titled Scripturalism, a, a Worldview on the Trinity Foundation. So you can check that out. But uh, in the article, I just basically discuss uh, how the, the scripturalist, which is, once again, the, the Clarkian presuppositionalist, how we would use the transcendental argument. Now, we would not use the transcendental, transcendental argument, the tag argument, to try to prove God. And, and we hear uh, Vantillian presuppositionalists say this all the time, that we can prove the existence of God by the impossibility of the contrary. I've... I've said repeatedly stop saying that stop using that because it's it's not right contraries can both be false and then you know there, there's some other problems with that so in the article i talk about how the the scripturalists would use the transcendental argument as an ad hominem reply which is to uh, reduce the the opponent's position to absurdity i give a few examples of that and uh, I think that it's a it's a better uh, to to steal a tagline from my my new covenant theology brothers. It's a better way. So so Joseph, you're on our podcast, man. You got to start reading the the content that we put out. <laughs> um, but uh, anyways, do you have any uh, comments or questions? You know, what? just say, just say hello. Say what's up. Uh, hello and what's up. All right. Uh, you the, the 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 more. Uh, interestingly enough, so I've never formally studied uh, the the Clarkian position, uh, or and I, and I have some, to some degree, understood the uh, the, the Ventilian position. And I'm realizing that, um, so I, I didn't realize I was a presuppositionalist until somebody said the word what presuppositional apologetics, and I had to go look it up. The that I was always arguing from scripture being true, and I didn't need any more truth than that to make my argument. Um, and so the more I'm hearing about both sides, it's interesting because I think that Vantillian argument gets a lot more um, exposure than uh, than Clarkian. But if you're arguing based on the truth of Scripture, which is what I've been doing since I've studied my Bible, then then I realize that I'm much more Clarkian um, naturally than I am Vantillian. Vantillian seems to be more of a, and this has just been my experience with it, more of a manufactured argument in regards to, I mean, so so not not a wrong one um, per se in regards to its its um, structure, but it's not it's it's logical conclusions. It's as opposed to I I know that when I say there's there's no such thing as an atheist, it's because scripture says it's true. It's not because uh, the impossibility of the contrary. Uh, when I when I know that somebody uh, knows that uh, knows that God exists. Um, or there only a fool says in their heart there is no God is because it's what Scripture said, and I know that all the propositions of Scripture are true. So it's it's interesting because I, I one of the reasons why, I, I mean honestly that I appreciate having joined you guys is because I'm learning a lot more about something that I that I seem to have already held onto. Yeah, so I think that Ventilianism has a lot to offer. I, I started off reading uh, started off reading Dr. Jason Lyle, who was a student of Dr. Bonson, and then from Dr. Bonson I learned about. Ventile, 
And I think that Dr. Bonson had a, a lot of great stuff. As a matter of fact, in my article, I actually quote him favorably, uh, just so that everybody knows. Um, but I think I think the the main disagreement would be with well, one of the main disagreements. There 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 are other disagreements, and uh, I think we we covered that in a couple of our episodes uh, critiquing Van Tilianism, uh, and you can you can check that out in in our archives. But uh, one of the main disagreements with with uh, the apologetic approach is is how to use the tag and um, you know <clears throat> when people say it's uh, we can prove God by the impossibility of the contrary um, that's just that's that's wrong you can't do that because contraries can both be false and so a uh, doctor doctor Scott Oliphant who was also a student of Van Thiel, he acknowledges that other other religions, other faiths can actually use the transcendental argument. So what's to keep a, a Mormon from saying that he can prove the existence of God by the impossibility of the contrary? And he could look at more he could look at Islam and Islam is contrary to Mormonism. Well, that just I mean that proves our point. Contraries can both be false. We'd look at Mormonism and we'd look at Islam and say, well both contraries are false. And just because you, you, you prove that that uh, that which is contrary to Mormonism, which in this case you know might be Islam uh, or atheism or whatever, does not therefore mean that Mormonism is true. And so the scripturalist position is to really just presuppose the, the truth of the Bible. We acknowledge that it's that it's true and and, um, and we, we don't try to prove what people already know. We don't try to prove that God exists because people already know that God exists. But I do believe that we can expose that people know that God exists by the irrationality of their, their worldview or their position. But uh, anyways, enough said about that. I want to say a big thank you to, to Tim Kaufman for blogging for us. I want to definitely recommend everybody check out his articles. Um, all right, so so what I wanted to do tonight, and this this is a little bit different, but uh, there's there's a reason for what I want to do. I want to go ahead and interview Joseph and ask him what he's got going on, what he's looking to do, because Joseph, you put up a a, a, a sort of a Facebook post asking for for assistance or for help, and just go ahead and, and tell our listeners. What it was, what what the Facebook post was about. I'm sure not everybody heard it. Uh, let them know what that involves and and just yeah, that's not a problem at all. The so this is uh to be to be fair um and and I'll give a little bit of story first. I was uh, with a friend and we were working on uh, uh, with with some people in regards to transition before they went from one church to another, and one of the times I spoke was in regards to giving and it had more to do with my friend. Um, and I didn't want him to do it cause it's awkward to ask for yourself and it, and it might mean more coming from someone else. And so this is really, really the, my, my least favorite topic, um, myself in, in a lot of ways. So the, uh, the, the reason for the post was because I am uh, making a very intentional effort to, uh, do full-time evangelism and 
that that includes things like doing door-to-door evangelism, which I'm already doing with my church, um, doing open-air preaching, which uh, which I'm already doing uh, to a degree. Um, uh, in addition to abortion resistance, uh, going to the college and having conversations um, with our local colleges here, the the two of them that are larger in size and uh, that are that are in my direct vicinity are Fresno City College and um, Fresno State. And uh, and I uh, spend time over at a recovery ministry, and I do that primarily with my church. So the the majority of the things that I'm doing right now, I do with uh, with brothers and with others and with my church. And I'm not looking to specifically get away from that. But what I want to do is dedicate um, all of my time as if it were towards evangelism. And so not changing what I do in regards to my activities but consuming my time with it because nothing else makes sense for me. There, there's only one thing that I that I have any desire to do, and that's to have these conversations with people. I think that, uh, that, that we all deal with this to varying degrees in regards to um, should I, should I not have that conversation with that person um, that seems lost or that, um, doesn't know the truth or has a false version of the truth, whether it be a Mormon, Jehovah's Witness, or Roman Catholic. And and I can't stop myself from having that conversation once I realize it's there. Um, so it's a, it's definitely um, somewhere I feel led, for lack of a better way of putting it. And I hate to use um, overly spiritual terms for these things uh, because I think they're, they're really abused. But nothing conflation, no confusion as to what I should be doing um, and, and spending time talking to people in regards to the truth is, is that thing. Um, and, and so this is was reaching out to people um, so that my family could be supported in it uh, while I do that. So I, I still realize that I have a responsibility as a father and as a husband to take care of my family. Um, if I don't, heck, I'm... Heck yeah, you do. Yeah, if I don't, I'm worse than a pagan, right? So yeah. I'm not. I'm not looking to shirk that. Uh, they 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 aren't uh, uh, you know, quite the same as I'm. Very Spartan in need. I don't need much. I, if I could convince them, we could live out of a tent, and uh, and just get the food we need. Then then that's that's I can live like that. But my family um, is not as enthusiastic about that. So I I love them. I care for them. I care about how they feel about things. And so I'm looking to to be able to do uh, the work of an evangelist, um, and then still be able to live in live in a place with walls, a uh, roof, and a toilet. <laughs> yeah, I think I think your wife would would definitely appreciate your your desire to to uh, to provide. And so let's talk about this a little bit more because in the Facebook uh, thing that you put up, you are asking for financial support. And I, I believe that last I looked, you're at 13% of your goal and you are looking for people to sponsor you, to, to support you. Now, you're not the first person to do this. Am I right? Well, absolutely not. Uh, you actually introduced me to somebody who ended up being friends of friends elsewhere uh, and in an area that I, that I had previously looked in regards to um, some kind of direction in this uh, Ryan Denton, um, who is, who, we, we hit it off immediately. He's, he's wonderful to talk to. Uh, he, uh, he led me to somebody else that's in charge of the Whitfield 
program, uh, which uh, is a a group that uh, that helps support uh, open air preachers who want to do it full time. Not so much in the way that they give them uh, funds, but they manage the funds. And so I'm, I'm looking more at that. I'm have been having dialogue with the the person who runs that, which is who Ryan introduced me to, and uh, and so th that's been interesting. But yeah, I mean, I mean, you have people who've turned it into something big, which is not specifically what I'm looking to do, like Ray Comfort, right? Who has made a really big name for himself in regards to his open air evangelism. Um, I'm a little bit more about using all the tools in my toolbox. And so, for example, uh, my, my church, the, my, my, the body that I'm, that I'm part of uh, is in Kingsburg, California. And so if I was going to do my, my primary door to door would probably be there um, and just work with them in regards to these are the houses we've hit and haven't hit and, and have those discussions with them as well as doing the, the open air and as well as having the conversations. So it's a, it, yeah, not, not the first person to do this. Uh, you know, Whitfield wasn't the first person. I'm pretty sure the disciples were the first people to do this, although perhaps not using social media as a, as a form of, of building their, their support. Right. Well, and the reason that I, I mentioned that is because I think that a lot of Christians are really possibly, I mean, I, I know that I was, that, oh, there's people that are out there doing this full time and they're supported by other people so that they can be free to do this. I mean, usually when you see people walking down the street and see, you, you've mentioned before that you go to people's houses and what's the first thing that people think of? Well, they think of Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses. And so I think that, you know, it's possible that a lot of people out there just aren't aware of the fact that there are full-time evangelists uh, and that they would hopefully be supported by, by the church. You know, this is something that I want people to, to think about is that um, – you're not the you're not the first person that's out there doing this. That there are other people out there that are doing this, and uh, and who are actually supported by by fellow Christians. Now, let me ask you. So, so you do you do go door to door and uh, walk us through that. Tell us tell us what that what that involves. I mean, uh, what what does that look like? Okay, so with the uh, with doing it with the the congregation, or even even uh, so. Let me let me dial it back real quick. I, or the first time I started doing it was with a group of believers that belonged to different churches. Uh, no, there weren't a ton of people at their churches that wanted to do it, and they ended up finding each other. And they walked up to my door one day and asked me, "Is that more people need to be asked?" And I gave them my answers, and then they invited me to come out with them, not realizing that I would be I'd be preaching to them a little bit too, but. I mean, I got into hard doctrines with them right away just to see where they were at. The, their approach was to hit a certain a certain area and then go on, and then because they were a little bit more uh, seasonal, um, the next season they would go back and talk to the people that they had had notes on um, before uh, for, at the beginning of the next season, and then they would uh, then they would go into a new area. And so what we've been doing that when I came to Grace. Um, of the valley, which is where I go to um, in Kingsburg, they, they already had a systematized approach. They already had sectors laid out. It was it was really kind of neat to see the map and see like so. For example, this next week when we come up, we just finished the last area of a map, and we'll have a new area of a map of of these areas. And there's going to be 
you know, anywhere between uh, two to six of us that go out and we'll um, take different parts of different blocks and then we'll mark the areas that we did and then we'll come back and say these are the areas we got and, and then move on to another area within that sector the, the following week. And so it's a it's it's generally a systematic approach. Um, I would I mean if if anybody's listening to this and was wondering you know what's a what's some good things to do maybe other than that I would say take notes of places you've had conversations with people so you can follow up with them later. Uh, you don't necessarily need to get their email address and phone number, um, but uh, if you have a, a decent conversation or you're you're concerned or um, I mean, even if you know that they don't believe um, and you can tell that you've had enough of a conversation to find that out, following up that with them to see where they're at uh, doesn't hurt. So but you don't but you completely lack the ability to do that if you don't take any notes at all. So um, there's, there's different ways of starting the conversation, but that's probably a good approach to do that. What what is the ultimate goal? Um, so I mean, obviously, I, I would think that if people saw you coming to their door, that they're going to think that you're a Jehovah's Witness. Am I right? That's happened more than once. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, the goal is to what? Do you do a Bible study with them in their house, or uh, do you try to invite them to a local church? Or, I mean, obviously, you want to preach the gospel and, and hope that they would be saved. But we're not. We're, you're not after decisional evangelism, am I right? Well, it's completely true. So I'm, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to find my way into their house. If they invite me, and I'm going. But that's not my goal. Um, the the emphasis is to to be able to proclaim the gospel and show them their need for it, right? So um, I mean, the a typical conversation might start one of a few ways, but one way might be. You know, hey, I'm, you know, I'm Joseph. I go to, you know, I'm from Grace of the Valley. We, you know, we're going out and meeting our neighborhood, and I was just wondering if there's anything we could pray for. And that might just be the, the simple way of starting the conversation. I, I, in fact, that's that's how I've approached, um, very similarly how I've approached walking around my own neighborhood. So, you know, I walk around the houses near here, and it's like, hey, I'm, I'm Joseph. I'm one of your neighbors, and I just want to know if you have anything I can pray for. And, and then beyond that, um, Yes, no, or indifferent, and if they do, I generally want to know, and I write it down. But um, but following that, I say, well, you know, do you do you have a local church body you go to? And you know, if they don't, or they do, or they don't, then I ask them, a, you know, the next question. It's like, well, uh, and it's the hard question. It's a really uncomfortable question to ask. If they say they they believe, I I kind of add a maybe a little extra part to it and say, well, you know, it's really encouraging to talk to people who. Share faith when they answer this question. Um, if you were to stand before God, He said, "What?" He said, "Why should I let you into heaven? What would your answer be?" Or, you know, if you died today, where would you go, heaven or hell? Because ultimately, it comes down to that uh, that answer. And so, maybe I'm shortcutting. Maybe there's a longer, fancier way of getting to that. But I just ask the question, and and so, and then respond accordingly, right? So, if somebody says, "Well, you know, I'm a pretty good person," well, then I know what the answer is. Um, if somebody says, uh, "Heaven, I hope," I know what the answer is. Yeah. If so, so th those are really, or like, I don't know. I know what the answer is. So the, the, those things are really simple. Um, and then I might, might, I might take a more of a, of a um, law approach in regards to exposing their, their sin and need for a savior. Um, I'm, and, I, and I say that I don't mean might. I will. That's what I'll do. But with somebody who professes faith, I'm, I'm going to dig in a little bit deeper um, just to see because I don't assume because somebody goes to church and. And they say that doesn't mean that they that they do. And so some sometimes I talk a little bit more about 
how we're a new creation in Christ and what that looks like, uh, how, how Christ is Lord. And, uh, and, we, and if we love him, we'll do what, we, what he says. Um, and, and so one of the things I might even ask him about, and not, not that this is the absolute litmus test, but I'm, I just want to see what they say. And so, so what does evangelism look like in your, in your life? Do you share your faith with other people? And what does that look like? I'm just going to, and not in a way that I'm trying to be overtly aggressive, but, um, but encouraging or encouraged if they, if they have a response. And so unfortunately, typically it's people who, um, know what the right things to say are that show up week in, week out to church, but, um, but that's the extent of their Christian life. And so that's kind of, those are part of the, who I'm looking for also in regards to, um, sharing what the gospel means in regards to what salvation accomplishes in an individual and what it, what it makes a man um, after Christ has, after they've met God for maybe how Washer might might say it, like the change that happens when you've come face to face with God. Right. Well, yeah, you know, I, I think that it's really important to just draw people out a little bit more, like you said, because I've, I, I share my faith at work and, and, you know, a lot of a lot of the guys that I work with, they they know that I'm a I'm a Christian, and I know who the atheists are, and you know we challenge each other all the time. But uh, I I find it really alarming at how many people are out there that will say like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, and so then you you do exactly what you what you said is you try to draw them out a little bit more and and say, well, okay, I mean. So as a professing Christian, I mean, what do you think? I mean, obviously you think you're going to go to heaven. Like, how are you going to get there? And I remember I was was talking to this one guy. He's he's a firefighter, and uh, his dad was a pastor. And I asked him, I said, well, what what does your church teach about how a person can be saved or, or what they, you know, if I went to your church and asked this question, if I died today, how would I go to heaven? Uh, what would you say? And this this guy is a son of a pastor. He told me, he said, well, you know, I mean, you just got to, uh, you know, follow the Ten Commandments and you got to be good and, and, you know, just try your best. I mean, you know, nobody's perfect. And but, you know, it's just, you know, you, you just got to try your best. And, and I was like, well, is that what you're hoping in? And he's like, well, yeah, I mean, I, I you know nobody's perfect and I, I you know you just gotta try to obey the ten commandments and and i'm like dude you're not even a christian you know if that's if that's what you believe you're not even a christian uh you're you're a lost reprobate still in your sin and i mean as as a fireman like i you know <laughs> all the stuff that they tell me and it's like they, they can dish it out so i'm just asking for equal air time and i you know, I told him just like that. I was like, you know, you're you're still in your sins if you if that's what you believe, and it's it's alarming at how many people just don't understand the gospel, and when you ask them those those probing questions, they profess to be a Christian because maybe their family's a Christian, maybe they they go to church every once in a while, or the wife drags them to church or whatever, and they they think that they're a Christian and then you find out like you don't understand the gospel. You, you, you're not a Christian at all. You're not saved. So I really appreciate that you're doing that, but I'm thinking that with, with everything that you're talking about, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing you and I'm thinking that this doing this actually takes 
a lot of time because having conversations with people, uh, just going and, and sitting down with people and talking to people, really, I mean, th these can be hour-long conversations that you have with people where you're witnessing to them and they they have a story to tell or they, you know, they're just, you're pressing in with the gospel. And uh, so one of the things I just want to, I just want to make sure, I just want to ask you, uh, because nobody should support you in this if you're neglecting your family in order to do this. And so you would agree with me on that, right? You're not neglecting. Oh, a hundred percent. Absolutely. The, the, my, the, so the, the Deuteronomy six still applies. Uh, my, my job is to raise, raise my children. That uh, The pro proverb still applies, uh, raise your children in, in, in his ways and they won't leave uh, when, when they get older. I mean, so, I can't ignore uh, some of scripture for other parts of scripture and, and I need to be diligent in, with my family in absolutely. regards to, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because, uh, you know, just in doing the podcast, uh, man, if this, if this really just takes everything away from my family, then I'm shutting the podcast down. I mean, my, my family is my first mission. Uh, my, my family is my first ministry. And so, I really appreciate your perspective. I really appreciate where you're coming from. Now, talk to me about the abortion mills. You said that you that part of what you're doing as a full-time evangelist is you're going out and you're evangelizing at the abortion clinics. You've put up some videos on Facebook. Are, so I just got to ask, I just got to ask this, are you with AHA? <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, okay. So so people can people can go to abortion mills and and preach the gospel and not be affiliated with AHA, but is there another organization besides AHA that does this? Yeah, a church should be doing it, but the, um, I mean, that's that's the short answer. The, I mean, and, and unfortunately, that's going to sound like a lot of what, what they argue, but I, I'm not going to say they're wrong where they're right. Uh, the, the I mean, the church should be more involved with it. Uh, I mean, you've seen pictures, you've seen maps where you've got, you know, a hundred and something churches around there and you've only got one person standing outside of the abortion mill where babies are being slaughtered and you wonder why. And, and my, my, my thing would be that maybe a lot of those places aren't churches, but I would have said that without having to get abortion into the question. Um, I don't think abortion is a litmus test. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a indicator. It's a flag. It's not the, it's not the, um, it's not the, the standalone evidence. So, so I'll let me let me go into just a little bit more briefly because, um, so th this might not make me super popular with with some of the, the, the bunker group and the, the Bible thumping Wiener guys, but I don't think that everybody and I don't, I don't think it, that everybody's that bad, but the I don't think everybody that's uh, affiliated with AHA is uh, is in the worst end of things is a, is is in the cult as it were as it as it gets referred to, um, I'll, and I'll give an example. There's a guy that um, he's loosely affiliated with AHA that uh, that is part of my church he serves in the church he, um, he he's one of the few people that wants to go out and do evangelism and not just the abortion mill evangelism but the door-to-door -door evangelism um, he wants to get out there and do things um, he likes to wear their swag and uses their uh, their media in regards to some of the stuff he has out in front of the abortion mill um, and he is very much about fellowship. He's very much about uh, being submitted to the elders of the church. 
the elders at our church know that he's affiliated with AHA. They're, they, somebody, um, when, when the ball dropped in regards to Heritage Grace, warned, I think called my, my, my senior, the, not, he's not, a, he's not, his title isn't a senior pastor, but, um, but he's the teaching pastor there. Um, and he talked to him and he's not worried about him. And so, um, and so just because he, um, likes some of what, some of them you're gonna do. Have to, hold on. You're going to have to explain what, what that, uh, I mean, you're referencing things that, uh, yeah. a lot of our listeners may not understand. What, what do you mean the ball dropped with, uh, heritage, um, what was it, Heritage Grace? Okay. So Heritage Grace is one of the most solid churches I've ever been to. Um, and, and to I'll, I'll take that back. It's the most solid church I've ever seen. Um, it's uh, located in Frisco, Texas. Um, they are constantly out there doing open-air evangelism, whether it be in downtown in Plano or in Denton. And, uh, and their pastor, regular basis, I think just about every Wednesday, as, as far as when class is in session that I know of, I don't know that he slowed down or stopped. Uh, goes out um, every Wednesday and and does open air evangelism and has his microphone set up and the opposite mic and is willing to engage in apologetics. And so these these guys are out there doing the work. Uh, the way I like to describe them uh, to people who want to maybe have an idea of them, but I, I don't have the time to go into all the details, is um, they're like the the churches that weren't rebuked in Revelation. Um, they're 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 I I've never had more sweet fellowship with with men and not had to feel like um, I, I, I could just discuss things with them and not feel like I was trying to correct anything. Um, and it was just, it was it, super, super solid guys. And so, AJ, so it's like, it's like, uh, being on our podcast. Just kidding. That was, that was vain. Start okay. that sentence okay. over. Okay. So a AHA had the uh, church repent project. And so, where where I can see some value to in some degree um, to to the that idea uh, the they decided to stand outside of that church um, that super solid church that goes out and faithfully preaches the gospel on a regular basis um, that they, they 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 jokingly call their and I don't think it's that much of a joke to be honest with you but they jokingly call their 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 Sunday school class for the adults uh, Sunday seminary because the last three classes I'm aware of that they went over was um, systematic theology, then um, then biblical theology. And I can't, to be honest, I can't remember the last one. But they that's their that's what they're teaching through to their congregates. Um, they they went to that church and called them to repent um, of what kind of apathy, right? Um, that, that that's that's the question. Um, they they preach against the abortion being murder. Um, faithfully, um, they don't, no, nobody there equivocates on that. Um, and, and, and I've been out preaching with them, and so I know that's what they preach. And so th they chose that church. And so that got a lot of people uh, up in arms. So people were kind of uh, cautious. I think a lot of people were cautious uh, with, uh, with AHA. Uh, not everyone, but, but there's, there's quite a few. And when that happened, when they, when they attacked a super, super solid Bible teaching, preaching, gospel, everything uh church there was there was a, a a huge issue a huge fallout um and it was around that time uh that uh that i think when uh when my friend was asking questions or maybe taking a side because because you know lack of information i, I know that when i am trying to learn things i challenge things um that uh, that somebody um 
had called in to to our congregation to um, to warn about him. Um, but he's very involved, super solid, submits to the elders. He's none of what usually gets ascribed to uh, what would be a um, NAHA member in regards to the people that are referred to as cult-like. So, um, so I know that uh, that there are problems there, particularly with the leadership. But I'm not going to uh, carte blanche say that um, everybody who affiliates with them is is part of the cult. Um, I, I know I know at least one person, um, and that that isn't even even remotely. And so, and I, and he's one of the people that I go out and do abortion resistance with. There's another gentleman uh, that I go out with on another day who goes to another church. Um, and, uh, and so I, I get to use all my tools on, on one day on a Friday, I might use my, my open air preaching tool. And on Wednesday, I might use my conversational evangelism tool. So, um, I, you know, I don't, um, I, I like to be able to, to, to do what's, what the situation calls for. And, and it's fun to be around different people so I can exercise different muscles in regards to evangelism and apologetics. Yeah, I mean, we certainly would agree that abortion is murder. There's no doubt about it. In, in my mind, it is probably the worst case of murder because what you have is a, is a mother who is actually murdering her own child and that just screams against, uh, against the creator. And uh, so... You know, I really appreciate everything that you're doing, and uh, here's here's what I want to do. I want to make a pitch for you, not just ask you to to make a pitch for yourself, but I want to make a pitch for you that if if there are listeners out there who are are blessed and would like to help Joseph out with uh, with support, uh, monthly support, or just uh, one-time uh, donation or something like that, it would it would go a long way. So, Joseph, you've you've actually been preaching the gospel to people. You've been going out faithfully to the abortion abortion mills. Um, we need people. We need people like you to go out there and do that. And uh, I'm I'm actually not able to do that as much as I'd like to. I used to go out and when I was single and even even when I when I got married and I wasn't so busy at home with with the kids, but uh I would go out to the park and do Ray Comfort style evangelism and it was it was a blast. And I remember there were people that responded favorably, there were people that didn't respond favorably and you just have to trust the Lord with with that. And it was it was a lot of fun, but I, I remember that it took a lot of time and, and just preparing and, and actually having those conversations and following up with people. Uh, you meet all sorts of people, and, and they'll, they'll talk to you for hours about what's going on with their family. You know, you just, you just ask somebody uh, if, if they need prayer, and they'll open up to you. So... I want to make a pitch for you that you know I would encourage our listeners to to contact Joseph uh, if if you can if you can help out. Uh, but first and foremost, support your local church. So anything anything that you would give to somebody outside of your church, uh, I think would be in addition to supporting the the local church. 
And um, with that being said, Joseph, how can people, if, if somebody is looking to, uh, to, to help you out, what can they do? Okay, so uh, for the for the moment, what I have set up for is a is a crowdfunding site. Uh, it's it's pretty um, transparent in regards to it'll show what I've been given through it already. Uh, what it won't show is what people have uh, promised to give on a regular basis, and so I've kind of been updating that as it's going along in regards to letting people know about where I'm at. Um, you know, something as an encouragement to to people who've contributed. Um, but also so then people um, aren't as worried. I, I, I don't want it to be like a fear thing. Uh, I definitely agree that people should be giving to their local church uh, first and foremost. Uh, I do. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to, to be separate from that, and I would never encourage anybody doing that. Um, I think you need to be under, under elders, um, if at all possible. And even, even our elders have people that uh that they administer to them that are that are more experienced even if they aren't necessarily elders to them in, a, in the more formal fashion so it's a it's important to have those things um the the crowdfunding site i have is on fundly and we can attach a link to that um i have a, a web page you can look at where i plan on uh, updating with content on a on a somewhat basis the more free time i have the uh the, where i touch on a little bit of apologetics in regards to uh, what is the scripture say in response to certain questions or even a little bit on theology proper because i think one of the biggest problems we have in our in our american culture of christianity is we don't know who god is and that's why people have all of these wrong ideas on uh what um what a punishment for sin is or how holy god is or what the kind of salvation needed to be that was accomplished let alone the salvation that was accomplished or even you know his comprehensive nature in regards to his omniscience or his aseity his self-existence or 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 more um and i think that those are helpful things um and so i plan on adding those to it um and then uh, and then my my i have a facebook page where i post live videos on occasion usually they're not too long just kind of letting whomever wants to to see go on uh, what's going on for that day, and so I try to I try to have things for people uh, so they can see kind of what's going on, and I can we can attach links to all three of those things. Um, that primarily, if you want to support, then then the Fundly um, link is going to be where to go. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll put those in the show notes for people. And so what we're going to do is uh, we're actually going to play a a message that you gave. Where did you give this message? I was at Teen Challenge. It's a recovery program. It's not uh, only, if I remember correctly, it's not only uh, drug abuse, but it's primarily. Um, and the, uh, the, the passage taught on was a parable of the soils. Uh, the purpose in choosing that passage was uh, the difference between true and false conversion. Um, and, and that was personal on my end. Um, they have a lot of, uh, it's a, 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 in some ways, it's a, it's, so it's a scripture-based program which is wonderful. Uh, unfortunately, they has more of a Pentecostal influence on it. And so they, 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 they bless us uh, by letting us come in there on, on Sunday evenings at seven o'clock. And, and they're, they're a wonderful group of men to, to speak with. And there's some, there's, there was one man who spoke to me a couple of weeks ago and he's there every week and he's just looking forward to getting out so he can come to our congregation because 
Um, and it's funny to, to put it this way, but he, he got a, he got a MacArthur study Bible and, and he said, there's a lot of, there's a lot of bad teaching coming through this place. And he like said those almost at the same time, like, like as if MacArthur equals sound doctrine and a lot of what we're hearing doesn't. And, and I can't disagree with that too hard, but the, uh, it, it's, it was, it was so, it was so encouraging to see the genuineness in his, in his eyes for, for sound doctrine. It's one of the reasons why we go there. So though I'm not preaching there. Um, every week, um, I'm there to encourage the men and have those harder conversations in regards to what does the Bible say about what you're dealing with. Well, we're, what we're going to do is we're going to play the the sermon that Joseph preached. It's about 30 minutes long. I hope you enjoy it, and uh, I hope that you'll uh, prayerfully consider supporting him. He's been a blessing to the podcast. He's been a blessing to us. And so with that being said, I want to wish everybody a a blessed week uh hope you enjoy the message and we'll check you next week god bless bye looking for that perfect track for your next evangelism outreach look no further at trackplanet.com we have solid biblical tracks that are a breeze to hand out they are beautifully designed and are the highest quality tracks available With over 80 different designs in stock and literally hundreds more available by custom order, we're sure to have just the right one for you. You can get any of our items printed with your church or ministry information or have us design a brand new track just for you. We are committed to the solid biblical message of law to the proud and grace to the humble. Each tract is firm on the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the necessity of repentance and faith in salvation. Come check us out at trackplanet.com and make sure you use coupon code BTWN at checkout for 10% off your entire order. That's tractplanet.com, coupon code BTWN.
uh, spend a lot of my time uh, doing evangelism, um, uh, sharing the faith. I, I, I'm actually, in a, in a way, a lot more comfortable uh, doing uh, open-air preaching. Um, I, I spend a lot of time in Scripture uh, so that I can, that I can know what, what I need to say uh, when I'm supposed to say it. And so in this way, um, this is a little bit more, uh, more daunting for me, uh, because for all that study uh, that I do, if I don't explain it correctly here, especially with, with the time that I've had to prepare to do it, then, then it's not, the study time's not wasted, but man, uh, just, it, it's, it's, a, it's a huge weight on me. I, I, when, uh, you know, I'm a man of unclean lips. I, I understand that the message of God is a privilege for me to share, and I'm, I'm, this is one of the most humbling things for me to do is to share it with you guys. So with that, we're going to be talking about the parable of the soils, okay? It's in Matthew um, 13, it's going to be uh, 1 through 23. Um, and, uh, and so as we're talking about preaching, um, or me preaching, uh, this, is, this is about that. Um, it's not just about um, saying it or the, or the right words to say, but it's about um, what its effects are, and in a way, what you can kind of see in people um, in regards to their responses to, uh, the, to the gospel. So with that, I'll start. So that day, Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. And a large crowd gathered to him. So he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell mm-hmm. by the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns. And the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Hear, he who has ears, let him hear. And the disciples came to him and saying, Why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answered them, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given. And he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables. Because while seeing, they do not see. And while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, You will keep on hearing, but you will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull, and with their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand uh, their heart in return, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see, and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Hear then, so this can be the explanation, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, what has been sown in his heart. This is the one 
whom on seed was sown beside the road. The one on whom the seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom seed was sown, uh, seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man that hears the word. And the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And on whom the seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth. Some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. So in Matthew, uh, the verse before this, right, um, right before he goes into this parable, he says um, that, uh, that he who does the will of my father, there's an emphasis on, on, on doing right before this starts. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to understand it a little bit through that lens, but also through a couple of things. Um, so the reason why he's telling parables is very obvious. It's for the people to, who will hear that they will. He's fulfilling prophecy um, as well as, um, as keeping uh, people from understanding. So that we, let's not misunderstand him. It, the, the, the intention was not for everyone to understand, but was for the people who would understand to understand. Uh, but to unlock this parable, so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about three keys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to these on occasion. Okay, so the three keys are the seed, the fruit, and the soils. Okay, the seed, the fruit, and the soils. Uh, the seed is the message, it's the word, right? Uh, it's the gospel, it's repent and believe. Uh, there's a lot of uh, a breakdown to that, and, and we could have a whole conversation just on that, and, and that would be a lot of fun too. But, um, but in this case, we're going to assume that we understand this to a degree, and that's the message that's going out, that's being cast out. Uh, the fruit, right? That's what the seed is meant to produce. It is the product of faith. It is the evidence of salvation. Um, this is covered uh, throughout the text. Um, uh, we do not make the, the fruit ourselves. We cannot make the seed grow. It is God who does that. We get to contribute. We get to be involved. But we cannot make ourselves faithful. It is God who makes us faithful. And the evidence of that faith is the, the fruit and the growth. The soils, what they represent is the heart. And Jesus makes that really clear. Okay, um, so what we have with the soils um, is uh, there are conditions in the soils. Okay, so there's seen conditions. There's ones that are that is very very obvious, and then there's unseen conditions that don't manifest till later. Uh, you don't see what they are right away. Um, and in uh, many ways, is about end results. Um, but I think it's applicable to, to look at ourselves and kind of see where we at and where we match up with this. So the hard soil. Uh, first, we're on the hard soil. So the message that fell um, in the hard soil, um, there was no fruit. It was eaten. Uh, the explanation given by Jesus was that they heard, but they didn't understand. And so uh, it, it was due to their hardness of heart. Um, the, the heart was hard. It, it, it didn't penetrate. Now, now why? Why didn't they understand? Um, you know, what makes a heart hard? Well, in Zechariah, um, you don't have to turn here. I'll, I'll read it really quick. It says 7, 11 through 13. They refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears from hearing. They made their hearts like flint so they could not hear the law and their words, which the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, great wrath came on them from the Lord of hosts. And just as he called and they would not listen, so they called and I would not listen, said the Lord of hosts. So right here what we have is there's a person that's hardening themselves. Um, 
So that, that's not all, because the Bible speaks on a lot of these things. The Old Testament prophets had no problem with speaking a, a message directly, uh, understanding uh, that people wouldn't necessarily receive it. Uh, Jeremiah is a fantastic example of it. He had a whole ministry that didn't, didn't generate a whole lot by our standards. Some people would say he failed in his ministry because he didn't have a lot of, a lot of uh, productive growth from it. Not everybody repented, right? Um, <clears throat> but Jesus make this, makes it clear uh, by referring uh, to Isaiah. He says, you know, render the, render the hearts of these people insensitive, their ears dull and their eyes dim. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and return and be healed. Uh, Paul also spoke on this. He said, so, he desi- so then he has mercy on whom he desires, and he hardens whom he desires. Um, and so, you know, th- th- this, th- th- there's, a, there's a, uh, an interesting um, explanation in Scripture. Uh, some of it is that God hardens who he desires. He's completely sovereign in all this. Um, there's nothing without his scope of control. Um, but we are, we are responsible. You know, in the, in the story of Pharaoh, it goes back and forth between saying God hardened his heart and Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And so we have both. So the, uh, the seed, it's t- uh, taken away. So it says, uh, and Peter uh, 5.8, Be sober of spirit, be on alert for your adversary the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone whom he may devour. Okay, so the devil um, is, the, is the bird. And Jesus explains this. Um, and he prowls around like a roaring lion or like a waiting bird. Uh, seeming to which whom he may devour, uh, and that being the the message from us uh, that we would uh, reject God as his goal, uh, that that he could bring as many people to hell with him, where he will suffer along with those who don't believe. Now, uh, just to, just to reiterate, because because the, it's a hard saying, but uh, the the important thing to remember is that God is sovereign and man is responsible. His sovereignty does not advocate us from our responsibility. We are responsible responsible to him regardless of him being in control. Um, if you want to, if you want a really quick lesson on how uh, an apostle deals with that question, read through Romans nine. Okay, so the keys: um, the message fell on a hard heart and is eaten up by the adversary and, b- b- and bears no fruit of salvation. So this is a this is a, this is a case for somebody who who in the end isn't saved. Uh, they rejected it. Okay, so we have the rocky soil. Uh, this so this this represents a hard heart as well. Uh, the difference between this and the obviously hard soil is that the hardness is underneath. Okay, so um, it is under the surface. Um, uh, you know, it, it's uh, because because they have no depth of root, they have no stability. Um, they cannot receive the necessary water and nutrients that the Word of God or the fellowship with the saints provides. And when things get tough, they fall away. Whether it is either temptation or persecution. So the the, the wonderful thing about this parable is that it's told in three of the Gospels. If you, want to, if you want a full understanding of, of, of what it teaches and you're reading through and you're studying and you want to make sure I'm, I'm telling you the right thing, uh, you would do yourself a favor in, in going through all three. Um, so temptation. So what kind of temptations are there? Well, Jesus was tempted by, by, by three things, basically. Uh, provision, pride, and power. Okay? Uh, provision, he was uh, told to make himself food. Uh, pride, he was uh, told to, to jump off and even the angels would, would save him. And power, uh, all of this will be yours. Bow to me and all this will be yours. Um, the only one that promises that is the devil, right? So the only one that promises you, you that you will have all the things in this world, if you bow to him, if you worship him, uh, is the devil. It's not God. So for you, this could be different. There might be a situation that you uh, have to make a decision uh, between uh, the things you love or the, the things you, you want or need and, and choose between uh, them and your faith. And though uh, it is one thing to stumble, it's a completely different thing to fall away. 
So, so for example, in regards to persecution, um, Jesus said, Woe to you when men speak well of you, for their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way, as opposed to blessed are you when you have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you uh, because of me. He says, Rejoice and be glad. Um, so, so there's an expectation in regards to following Christ. I think a lot of people uh, run into this. They get taught a message of how you can add Christ to your life and he's going to do all these things for you and don't tell you that you need to count the cost because there will, you will suffer persecution for oh, obediently following him. Amen. People will reject the message. Uh, Samuel uh, was, was uh, very well comforted by God uh, when he was reminded that it's not, it's not them that they reject, but it's him that they reject, but, uh, but God. So last, we have the, um, you know, the good soil, right? We have the good soil. The good soil is the obvious one, right? It produces much. It is the, the result of saving faith. There's, there's a parable where uh, Jesus talks about a tree that produces no fruit. And the landowner comes and says he wants to cut down the tree. And then the, he says, you know, just give me some time with it. And then at the end, if it produces no fruit, it's cut down. So the producing fruit is a, is, a, is a necessary consequence of saving faith. You know, Jesus said, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? So, so it's, it, it, there's, there's, no, there's, no, there's no wiggle room with Jesus, right? He says you must uh, die to self, right? So this, this is the fruit that, that, that has done this. Um, it has produced, and the one commentator said that, uh, that at the time, uh, an H1 crop would be, uh, would be considered average. And, uh, and so we're seeing a 30-fold, uh, 50-fold, and 100-fold. Um, and so th- this, is a, this is a complete giving over of self to Christ, in, in, in which he produces these things in you. It is a, it is a it praise God uh, that, that though he works with imperfect people, that, that, he, that he does this anyways, um, that he is by him. Now... That I, I almost wish that, that 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 we could stop there, right? Because the last one's the uh, the the thorny soil. Now, the the thorny soil is to me the scariest, okay? Because it grows just like everything else, like it grows up tall. You know, it, it, the, the the difference is that, um, and, and the primary difference between it and the good soil, is that it uh, produces no fruit that comes to maturity, right? So it doesn't say that it, it's considered unfruitful. So it's not like it doesn't grow at all. Um, it does grow. In fact, it grows, uh, has enough depth of root where it can survive the sun that destroyed the one with shallow depth. You know, the winds don't take it down as, as, as it did with the, uh, the shallow depth. Um, so it, it deals with, you know, temptation and persecution. doesn't call it to fall away, as it were, to leave. And just on that, you know, the, the, the falling away, it, uh, let, let's not be confused. The, you can't uh, you can't lose uh, eternal life. It's not eternal if you lose it, right? It doesn't work that way. In First John, it says uh, they went out from us, so we would know they were not of us. Somebody falling away is evidence that they were not ever really of us. That's the falling away that happens there. But this third soil doesn't. It doesn't fall away. It, 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 it stays strong. It grows. It doesn't. But it doesn't produce any fruit, and it doesn't get harvested. Um, it's not used. Um, it's scary because. It, it says the, uh, the, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. 
these are things in our, in our, in our life. Um, these can be, you know, the things that, pre- that prevent us or how we make decisions not to do what God has very specifically asked us to do might be, we might come up with a lot of excuses to not do them, right? Like, um, you know, I've got this other, this other thing that's, that I've decided is important to do. We, we, you know, it's interesting we, that, uh, that this happened this week. We went over a uh, parable where this, this past Sunday where it was about uh, Jesus uh, was giving the example of, uh, of a man inviting everybody to a feast, right? And, right? and as he was inviting them, and they would have known, he, he says, uh, to come in, and, and they come up with all kinds of excuses, right? And one of them says, you know, I've got a, you know, I've got a new wife. And another one says, I've got a yoke of oxen. And the other one says, I have this land I need to look at. And, um, and they all have reasons. And, and, and I think, by and large, um, we would say, well, I understand if you have something important to do, why, why, why you're not doing well, you're not coming in. You know, you, you have, you have to, you, you, of course you have to, to tend to your wife, and of course you have to do these things. Uh, in this way, I'm, I'm not making um, an excuse for us to ignore our responsibilities as men in regards to uh, keeping our word, uh, being faithful to our wives, raising our children, um, to do the work. That, just, that doesn't work that way. You can't justify sin with, a, with, with some form of obedience. But... The problem is when we use these excuses to not do the work uh, that he's given us to do. So the, in First John, it says, uh, the lust of the, uh, you know, do not love the world or the things of this world. If you do the love of the Father, it's not in you. And these things are the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. That, those are, that's a pretty powerful statement. If the love of the Father is not in you, that means that you don't have Christ. So, so the, the, the scary thing, this, like I said, the scariest thing about this, this soil is that it looks just like, for all intents and purposes, as it's growing, it looks just like the, uh, the good soil. Um, no, you, wouldn't have, you, you, you don't tell the difference until after it starts growing, and it bears no fruit. It's, uh, it's tragic, right? So Jesus talks about this um, when he says a, a few different things. I mean, one of them is, um, you know, not, all, not everyone who cries, Lord, Lord, will... Uh, Unto the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of my Father. Uh, on that day, many will cry, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do many mighty works in your name? I never knew you. Depart from me. The, the call, the message, is about a dying to self, right? That it is all Christ, none of us, to repent from our sin and turn towards him as the only means of our salvation. It's to be in the world, but not of it. And it's a, it's a, it's a high calling, and, and, and it, 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 the, the, the standard is, is impossible by ourselves. Somebody said, you know, once told me, well, you know, nobody's perfect, so you don't have to be perfect. Well, Jesus said to be perfect, so I have to be perfect. I can't, but I have to be. Um, the only way I'm perfect is being perfected in Christ. Right. So, so that, that's the necessary thing is to, to a complete reliance on him and, a, and, a, and, a, and a, an obedience unto death as he did to the cross. We have to follow his way and in, in so much follow how Paul followed him. Now Paul said this, you know, be like me as I am like Christ. So the, these people made a tragic mistake. They, they, they stuck around and, and, and they heard the, the message um, and they and they mm-hmm. understood it, right? Because that was the primary problem of the hard soil was that it did not understand, it didn't penetrate. But unlike the good soil, they didn't actually accept it. 
this being a difference, right? So just because you understand the propositions of Scripture, not just because you understand what it says, uh, doesn't mean that you uh, believe it. Just because you say you believe it doesn't mean you believe it. Jesus made it very clear uh, that if you will believe this, you will do it. So let's not also get this confused with doing it being the method of salvation. Works cannot save a man. They can only condemn him. The word of God says, by the works of the law, no man is justified. We can't earn anything. Christianity is fundamentally different from all other religions in that all other religions talk about how you have to do these things to earn your salvation. And even, even then, maybe you have it and you have to do it right after that. Otherwise, you might lose it. Fundamentally different. We have a complete salvation in Christ. Um, he, when he said it is finished, it was finished. He who began a good work in you will complete it. But there are those who will be distracted in their lives, uh, too distracted to do the work of God, but they're just, just, just as fine willing to show up, sing the songs, um, say the words, uh, give you an, perhaps encouragement in doing the things, but aren't willing to, to count the cost and do the work. And Jesus made it clear that, that it wasn't about um, a mere uh, profession, but a, but a belief. So, so this, this is helpful in, in, in a couple of ways. So you might see some people that, that, uh, that fell away, right? And so, so somebody might say they had their salvation and they lost it. First John makes it clear that didn't happen. They went out from us so we would know they were not of us. You know, you might see somebody, uh, and, and here's the thing. I need to cut myself off for a second. We are not the salvation police. We're not here to look at everybody else and see whether or not they're saved. This might be an encouragement to see. If you see somebody struggling with something that Scripture describes as not being uh, a a faithful Christian quality, that's a good reason to have a conversation with them. (coughs) And in the light of Scripture, show it to them and talk to them about it. Love them in that way. But it's not your job to discern their absolute, complete, uh, and utter utter state in in regards to God's eternal purposes. Okay. So uh, I, I went through this uh, not in the order that it was written uh, for a reason. Uh, there's, a, there's a passage that seems to, to parallel to it, and so I, I went to that. Um, if, you, if you'd like to, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 6, and we're going to be in 4 through 8. This is actually one of the most highly abused pieces of Scripture. So, um, six, Chapter 6, verse 4 through 8. Okay, It's a little bit easier, I think, to understand in light of the parable of the soils. Okay. For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and tasted the heavenly gift and been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and tasted the good work of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away, it is impossible for them to renew again to repentance since they again crucify themselves to the Son of God and put him to open shame. For the ground that drinks the rain, which often falls and brings forth vegetation useful to those for the sake of it is also tilled, receives blessings from God. But if it yields thorns and thistles, it is worthless, close to being cursed, and it ends up being burned. So not to leave you on the, on the, on the, on the, what, better watch out, because it's important too, but, but, there, but I, I would like to encourage you guys as well. 
So, so in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, Paul, uh, Paul writes, uh, Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Also, if one completes, competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be first to receive his share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Our, our job, our commission, as it were, as, uh, as people who follow Christ, is to go forward into all the nations, um, make disciples, baptizing, teach them his commandments. That's our, that's our job. That's what we're told to, to do. And it would be, it's a good reminder to not be uh, distracted uh, by some of the unnecessary things in life. That if we, if we truly believe that, that somebody who doesn't have faith will suffer eternal torment, um, we need to tell them, we need to warn them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase uh, a part in Ezekiel 33, and you can, you can look at this and look exactly how he says it, but in Ezekiel 33, um, he, the idea is, is to come across that if you see the sword coming and you, and you blow your horn um, and, they, and they flee, they have their lives, but if they stay, they die in their iniquity. But if you see the sword coming and you do not blow your horn and they, they, they will die in their iniquity, but their blood's on your head. This is God's disposition to warning people to flee the wrath that is to come. Uh, when, I, when I go and, and, I, and, I, and I preach publicly, I typically start with, um, and because I don't know how to do it better than Jesus, and that's, that, that might just sound like, like super pious or, or whatever, but it's, it's really because I, I didn't, couldn't think of a better way to start. It's repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's our message. And people need to hear it. So, so, so to, to kind of sum things up, um, when you do this, when you proclaim the gospel, doesn't need to be the way I do it, first off, but when you do this, because if you are his, you will. These are the effects that we're going to see. We're going to see people who seem to completely reject it. We're going to see, see people who, who seem to take, who receive it with joy and fall away. We're going to seem to, we're going to see people who, who seem to, to receive it and then, and then they just get distracted by everything else other than doing uh, the work of God. Um, and then we're going to see people that grow with fruit and that's so encouraging. Um, know that, that, that God knew this was going to happen ahead of time, that it's not a surprise to him. There's an expectation of this. But it's also good to remember this um, in, in self-reflection. Um, be, please, I, 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 please be the, the, the good soil. Um, that I, I would, you know, work, the message this morning, work out your salvation with fear and troubling. Um, God work, does the work in and for you, but, but, but it is up to you are also responsible to do the work.
This podcast is a member of the Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. All right, welcome everybody to another podcast episode with Semper Reformanda Radio. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. Welcome everyone to the Logical Belief Ministries podcast. Well, welcome to the School of Biblical Harmonetics. Welcome everybody to Grappling with Theology. What is going on, guys? Shine as lights coming at you. Well, welcome to Slick Answers. Good evening, and welcome to the Conversations from the port. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Bible Thumping Wingnut Podcast. The Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. Ten podcasts, one network. Check them out. BibleThumpingWingnut.com.